This is the Very Finnish Problems podcast with Joel Willens. Find us at facebook.com slash verifinishproblems. For links to some of the things we discuss on the show and to learn how you can get new episodes directly to your smartphone, please visit verifinishproblems.com. Okay, here we are. Podcast number... Joe got it wrong last time, but I also got it wrong last time. And I'm going to get it wrong this time. Okay, go on then. Because I didn't know this would be a question. <laughs> uh, let's say 16. It's wrong again. I think it's podcast number 19. We're typically really rubbish <laughs> at doing regular podcasts, but in the last last like, month or so, we've been picking up the pace. We have. And today, uh, in time-honored fashion... We do a problem from one of the very finished problems books, and typically we've been doing the first ones. But today I'm going to do more very finished problems, an even more essential guide to surviving in Finland. It's problem number one, which is when it's December 24th and it still hasn't snowed. And the reason we're doing this problem is we have a very special guest who perhaps would like to introduce herself. Uh, My name is Erika Benke. Sorry, that was my Shopify <laughs> shop just selling another T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done. Yeah, thank you. So I'm Erika Benke. I'm um, I'm a journalist. I work for the BBC, uh-huh. BBC News, and I've been covering quite a few stories about Finland the last two or three years. Yeah, and that was why we we originally got in got in touch. We were, did a story mm-hmm. about the climate change in Lapland, wasn't it? Um, I yeah. Shared, yeah. yeah, you you shared one of my did I share all videos. The, yeah, it was a great video, and I actually I drove. I was going through Lee. It was Lee. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. How, I don't, is it Lie? What's the small town? Did you do the oh E E E E, 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 e. Is two so eyes? It's, it's two eyes. It's two eyes. Oh, it's yeah. not just you, Joe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when it comes to Finnish pronunciation in general, I'm pretty flawed. But you think with two letters, I'd nail it, wouldn't you? <laughs> but no, absolutely fair. I went through it on a train on the way to Lapland, and I thought I recognised this. And I think you did that story as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, um, perhaps you could explain what that was about. So um, I, I actually did two stories in Lapland yeah. recently. One of them was a TV documentary about climate change in the Arctic. Uh-huh. And I interviewed four um, Sami women about how climate change affects their traditional Sami livelihoods, like reindeer herding and fishing. And of course, it's not just climate change. It's also big business because the climate is warming. It's easier to to do mining in Lapland and they have minerals like cobalt and zinc and copper that um, because the permafrost is melting, they are a lot easier to get out of the ground. So mining companies want to start mining and that would, of course, also interfere with um, Sami livelihoods. They are very worried that um, mining would mean the end of uh, fishing. Of course, and would that pollute the exactly? Yeah. yeah, and of course, there's a plan for a big new railway. Yeah, because I wanted to, to build go for reindeer from Rovaniemi to Kirkenes in Norway to the Arctic seaport of Kirkenes. They are very worried about that. Many of them, of course, some people say it might bring business opportunities. So there's two sides of the argument, yeah. but yeah. So I made a film about that, and of course, I made a digital cut down. Yeah, of that's that what we film. shared. I think. But do areas like that need to be commercialized? I mean, I, I think in this day and age, people think commercialization is progress, but not always. I mean, well, it's not when you're digging out like yeah. that's a sick irony. I think about climate change in general. It's like oil companies, energy companies, are the ones mm. who contribute to this in the first place. And they're like, "Whoa, yeah, it's a new bonanza opportunity." Yeah, you're the ones who caused it, and now you're like mm. jumping on the bandwagon to try and dig deep and cause more pollution. I think it's just like a it's a horrible sort of so like sick irony. It's worked out better for them because now the ground's softer and they get. Yeah, the minerals. At the moment, there's no mining yet in northern Lapland at all. There is some mining in the Sodankula area. Okay. In southern Lapland, but northern Lapland has have, been untouched. Right. So okay. Far. That was because they just couldn't. They. they it was, it was the, the, yeah. It was too you know frozen yeah. solid. So. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you find the women? Because I watched the. They, I know there was. There was you had the didn't you have the head of the Sami Parliament? Was yes, one woman. Dina 
Sani Laikyo, um, she's the president of the Sami parliament. Yeah. They just had elections, so right, they okay. will elect a new president next February. Uh -huh. But at the moment, she still is. Yeah. Um, and um, But she was the only, she, she was the politician in the film. But I had three other yeah, you had ordinary people, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a reindeer, so somebody, um, uh, Anna Murataya, who's, a, who, who, who's also a singer. Yeah. But in my film, she was the fisherwoman right, and reindeer okay. yeah, herder. Yeah, yeah. And then I had a very um, nice lady from Savatti Arvia called Sami woman who's a traditional handicrafter. Okay. And her, if the Arctic Railway is built, then <clears throat> it's planned to go through her house. <laughs> no oh, way. No. So, <laughs> wow, like literally through her house. Yes. Well, that's unfortunate. And yeah. I had an old lady from the Anontakio area, a northern Sami. Yeah, um, old woman who was speaking Sami in oh, the right, film, cool. which was yeah, amazing. See that in the cut, in the shorter version, she didn't make the short. No, no, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, the shorter version. You yeah, have to yeah, make yeah. your sacrifices. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. yeah. So the uh, so unfortunate the woman through the I mean, Lapland is like literally though one of the least densely populated parts mm. of Europe, and you still get a railway through your yes. house. That's like incredible. That's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. So how when when I mean how did you come to I mean, what's your connection to Finland? Because I think you may be the first, Ooh. other than Joe, who's Welsh, yeah. and who is also the subject of one of our podcasts about his arrival <coughs> in Finland, I think you may be the uh, first non-Finnish guest. Oh, that's a, that's a, it's a long story. <laughs> so, I mean, so, so I was growing up in communist Hungary. Right, okay. Oh, right? okay. And that's I, a podcast in itself. And, Absolutely. And I was really, really lucky in that um, in my town which is not even budapest so yeah. it's a small town small industrial town yeah. in northern hungary but for some weird reason they decided to start teaching english right, when okay. i was six ah. was that so unusual i was very unusual right, in communist okay. hungary you learned russian. russian at school yeah, that yeah, was yeah. it it was an experiment and okay. i got into it and i really liked english yeah and when i was about eight or nine um i went to to a stationery shop in my hometown and yeah. there were two Finnish ladies trying uh, to buy postcards uh, and stamps when nobody understood them. Yes. And I, with my little English at that point, I could understand them and I helped them buy uh, postcards and they wow. loved it. You know, they were the first <laughs> Hungarian who spoke English. That's amazing. And they were, it was like an official. So my hometown has this sister, right, sister relationship with, with a town in Finland. Which one? Yeah. Which town? Avanta. <laughs> So they came from one town, yeah. an official like tour, and of course it was all very well organized. They couldn't yes. speak to ordinary yeah, members yeah, of the yeah. public. So and sneak, here I was, this sort of nine-year-old girl <laughs> speaking English. So they loved it, and they, so we went for a coffee, and uh -huh. I ended up in Vanta in a few, you know, a few years later. And they invited you to Vanta. Yeah, oh, well, right, I was cool. a bit older at that yeah, point, yeah, like yeah. sixteen. But so that's, that's a beautiful and, story. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, it really is. when I first, when I first made uh, a film about the basic income, yeah, oh yeah, that was a Two years ago, yeah, two, three yeah. years ago, I came to Finland to interview. I was following four people in the basic income right, experiment okay. for a big observational documentary. Yeah. yeah. And I decided I had to find her. Oh, right, so you had to find, oh, you looked for the woman who you yeah. spoke to. No way. And That's brilliant. Brilliant testing of journalism. We How? Were so did, happy. You, did you know her? You knew her name? I knew her name, Was but it? I had lost touch yeah, with her yeah. over yeah. the years. And, um, so one of my case studies for the basic income film was in Helsinki. Uh -huh. And I went to a Red Cross event. She was volunteering for the Red Cross. Is that one thing you need? Uh, 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 so we filmed that because yeah. that was oh, well, part the, of her oh, right, story. Okay, yeah, 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 at yeah. the Red Cross event, uh, that was in Banta. Yeah. And I just said to one of the volunteers, you know, so I told them this story yeah, yeah. and they said, oh, that's like, so they looked up the yellow pages. Yeah. <laughs> for, they were searching for her name and we found her number and she called her for me. All oh, right, cool. And wow, then a few days later, we, met, we were so, well, I'll show you a, a picture later. Yeah, wicked. So that's you, such a cool that's, story. That's yeah. a really amazing oh, story. It's such a, story. Like a random call to get, she isn't was, it? A random blast from the past. Her English is still amazing. She's, uh -huh. she's, she's in her late 80s. Uh -huh. And she's still a leading lady. Like she, right. <laughs> she, she's no longer working, obviously. Was, so was but, she, uh, when she said, when she came to, to Hungary in the first place, was she part of an official delegation? Yeah, was she like so a politician a, or like was, a local council? I think she was uh, head of the cultural committee or cultural department of the Vanta City Council yeah. at that point. Yeah, that's a great story. So, that really that, so before that, before you, before that following the, mm. um, 
the uh, basic income. Yeah, basic income story. Had you been to Finland before? So you've been to Finland when you were like yeah, when I was um, very young. So that yeah. young, that first meeting, yeah. Vanta, but between and that I, Vanta meeting, and, and then the, I didn't come to Finland for about thirty years. Right, but okay. then um, when the basic income experiment started, yeah. did you volunteer was, for that story? Um, or how did, how well, it, what happened was um, I was working for so my sort of staff job with the BBC is in the radio, so World Service right, okay. Radio. Fantastic dream job. Well, oh, I love it. <laughs> But um, I've always been very interested in everything else. So the BBC, the BBC encourages you, but encourages you to to try TV and oh, online. Right, so it gives you that freedom to try oh, the wow. So you, you just apply for attachments. Oh, yeah, to, wicked. In other parts of BBC News, and yeah, I was yeah. always very open to try, you know, everything else. So I was at that point when the basic income experiment started. I was on TV, uh, working with a TV program uh -huh. for a domestic UK audience called yeah. the Victoria Derbyshire program. Oh uh, right, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I know the one. Yeah, and, yeah. And um, I pitched the basic income story to them because Glasgow at that point uh, commissioned a feasibility study. Right. Okay. So it's topical thought, for you know, British public. Might have a British angle. Let's see. The Finns are doing it. Let's yeah, see yeah, if we yeah, can yeah. learn anything. And they said, "Okay, you do go ahead and do some research." So I called Keller and had a chat and found these four people. Actually, I found a lot more, but I, you know, I sort of narrowed it down to right, these okay. four that I really liked. Uh, but in the end, um, Victoria Derbyshire program didn't want that story. Uh, but by okay. that, I had fallen in love with it. So I got really passionate. And I thought, some, I must find somebody in the BBC yeah, who will yeah, pay yeah. for this. So in the end, a TV documentary. Yeah, well, that's was, really uh, interesting. So yeah, we've me. done some work with Uli, like the Finnish BBC, mm. and it seemed like a similar, I'd imagine it's a similar sort of deal in terms of like, I was, when we did this, they had this sauna Iver sauna day thing mm -hmm. where they tried to make sauna part of the UNESCO World mm -hmm. Heritage list of cultural events. Mm -hmm. So we did some stuff with that, and uh, it, it was a similar idea where uh, the producer we were speaking to, where they would go to different departments, mm -hmm. get different, like, basically pitch ideas mm -hmm. um, for different like stories. So I didn't realize. I, I presume is that when it comes to like the BBC, would you? I mean, is the world your oyster in terms of who you pitch? Or what, how does it work in like? It's it's um, so we do have a news gathering yeah. operation. So obviously they look after everything that's in the diary that can be planned for. Right, but yeah. if you have a featurey idea yeah. like this, yeah, the world is your oyster. Right, so you just you go to news it, night or yeah. um, the Derbyshire program or wow, BBC World wicked, or, yeah. or, or online. Uh, you know, I'm, and you just pitch. So you basically pitch you the pitch idea and they give everybody. you budget. And then whoever <clears throat> you know, and sometimes you don't get it. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. But sometimes you do. But that's a very topic. I mean, that that whole basic income story was very topical worldwide, wasn't it? And a lot of people. And I think it was. I think some people like. I don't know how it was reported from your end, but I know a lot of people reported it sort of didn't really work. It was a bit of a failure. Um, but then there was other arguments that it wasn't really fully a basic income. No. It didn't fulfill mm. the criteria of like, the, no, so it was no. more like they dabbled with it. I don't yeah. know what your thoughts yeah. were on so, that. So it was um, 2,000 people who yeah. had been long-term unemployed. Yeah. So it was not a universal basic income, but still it was the biggest experiment yeah. yet. But well, did they, did they, sorry, did they, um, did the, what was their conclusion? Because I remember reading different conclusions based upon which you know political mm, viewpoint you have. Because clearly yeah. you're biased or not biased. But I think I can't remember if it was your. Doc I definitely saw some documentary about it. And I, um, there was there was definitely like some positive. The people who were taking part in the documentary I saw were positive. They, yeah. Some of it was a couple. It was certainly they felt they had more security mm. and it made them feel less like yeah, stressed yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so what were your conclusions? Mental health it yeah, has mental improved health. hugely. Yeah. Right, okay. So the fact that they didn't have to go to the job center every right, okay. month to ritually, fill in paperwork, and they 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 were sure they could be certain that for two years now they're gonna get this cash no yeah. matter what. Yeah, yeah. And they will get it even if they take a job. Yeah. So that had a very positive effect on their well-being. But um, how many people, how many of these 2,000 actually ended up with a job or started a business? We don't know yet. Right, okay. The final results will be released in January 2020. Oh, right. Okay. So I mean, so, I suppose it depends on your definition of success. Yeah, to exactly. Well, I, I followed the um, that story mm. uh, before I moved to Finland, actually. And I was thinking, because uh, I, I write a blog about Finland, I was going to feature it on my blog. Because at the exact same time in the UK, uh, there was the Conservatives cuts to mm. job seekers mm. allowance and these horror stories of people killing themselves because they were just so depressed. And 
I think in terms of measuring success, I think it's uh, um, Finland should be very proud of the fact that they've valued their citizens enough to not put them in a place where they're so depressed and sad about being out of work. Um, but then, of course, there's the flip side of if people are almost too comfortable without work, then it's kind of finding the the balance there. So it'll be interesting to see the results of... of yeah, the initial results were released um, yeah. right after the experiment was finished and they were not. So the, the mental health effect, <coughs> so sorry, <coughs> was great. Yeah. But um, so there was a control group and the proportion of people in the control group and the basic income group who ended up with a job was exactly the same. Right. Okay. So it didn't seem to have made a huge impact on their ability to get a ability job. Was, or, I mean, was, oh, that, good. Okay. was that ever the rationale? I mean, was that, I mean, because in terms of, sort of like, I suppose it's about like quality of life. And of course you've got the economic perspective. I mean, people, I mean, you're talking about the mental health thing. I think that's, that's a really big deal. I mean, the, if you compare mm -hmm. the Tories yeah. in the mm -hmm. UK, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so what they do, how they demonize poor, mm. poor people and poverty in general. Uh, whereas in Finland, you know, we've got the other, other extreme one. I mean, you, of like social democracy and like level playing field, et cetera. So, I mean, you know, I think absolutely the idea of not having to go and beg and to do, <laughs> apply for jobs that you're never going to get mm -hmm. because you're told you have to apply for jobs to get that sort of cash would, would certainly make sense. So it'd be interesting to see like uh, the conclusions, but like when, from your experience filming these people, you felt it was a positive thing or did you, I mean, well, were you that immersed in the so, story? Or? So I was, I was filming four people yes. and three out of those four, did either have a job or start a business by the end of the right, okay. experiment. So, so like, there was only one out of four who still didn't have right, a job. Okay. So that's a, that's a very, very but that's just my little sample. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> it's only four out of 2,000. What jobs were they looking for? Was that um, the person that didn't manage to get a job? Was Did they come out of a high paying job or was it an average ah, he's job? a journalist that that person that's uh, oh i did see that's it then. The yeah. was there a young quite a young i did see your documentary yeah. uh, he's a middle-aged i saw your who, i saw your documentary then i yeah. watched it definitely that, because i watched that before moving here mm. i was Look thinking that, that was the one and it was something. a uh a, a young woman, wasn't it? It was a who, young woman with dark hair. Yes, yes. Yeah, she, she was very upbeat about the whole thing, wasn't she? Mm -hmm. She did get a job um, and she was very happy to be, you know, she was, she had been long-term unemployed and yeah. she was only 30 yeah, and she yeah, only she, had one job before turning yeah, 30 crazy. in a factory for yeah. two months. Yeah. And, the rest is, yeah, yeah, yeah. and finally, you know, being out of the house and doing a job and it was, a call center job, something that she would not have taken up without basic income because yeah. uh, it, it was not, worth it yeah. yeah. But she did it because of basic income and she became really good at it. She was like saleswoman of the month and no, two really? consecutive months. Wow. And yeah, yeah. She just boosted her morale and yeah, self-esteem. You can really see that in the video. I mean, she's like, just a whole of body language. Mm. She was like walking with pride. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the psychological effect of, of getting people into work though. I mean, when I graduated, I, I went to uni in London and then moved back home and I was unemployed for about four months. And even with my degree, and even though things weren't that bad, just going into a job center in the UK, you're instantly put into this like subcategory. They they treat you so horribly. And um, yeah, it, I, I mean, I, if you have a low self-esteem anyway, and then you're treated like that, it's no wonder that people are, are almost afraid to go back yeah, into work. I mean, it's sick the way they do stuff there. Yeah. I mean, like the idea, they should be like life coaches. Be like, yeah, go on, this is for you. But of course, they're bureaucrats, they're underpaid, they're overworked, they're constantly abused all the time. So it's sort of like understandable. But yeah, I mean, I can see how that would be absolutely demoralizing. I mean, I've been horrible. in the UK for like 20 years and even I, as a student, I, yeah, I, did, I, mean, like, I, I lost centers. weight and everything. I, I, I lost about half a stone because like... Or just to like worry and stuff. Well, not, not so much worry, but the fact that you don't have anywhere to go in the day i mean it's it's yeah, important yeah. it's it, it's yeah a lot of people think that work is this big stressor and it sometimes is but also not here in tag media the happy oh, go, not, no. <laughs> the happy go lucky center of oh no no but, but like <laughs> but many people are saying like switch off from work switch off from work but the but the psychological damage of not having a job mm. is is it's enormous huge, yeah. 
Yeah. So talking about jobs, how did you get to how did you get into the BBC World Service? I mean, how did you get oh, well, what's your story there? <clears throat> so the BBC World Service used to have a Hungarian service. Right, okay. So they were recruiting, they were advertising for journalists. They don't now then. No, the, that it was closed down in twenty oh five or six. Okay. Along with many other, right, um, okay. like the Czech, the Slovak, the Bulgarian, right, so so all Eastern the European Eastern that had got into you know the EU at that point. Right, so it felt there was no no need yeah. because it was like okay. But uh, before I moved to London, I had been working for an English language paper, um, which had already closed down. It was called the Central European Business Weekly. So right, I was okay. a business journalist yeah. based in Budapest, writing in English. So <clears throat> I really liked the idea of a BBC job. Yeah. yeah. Course, but yeah. I was never, um, so I, I moved on from the Hungarians to the uh, World Service newsroom fairly, what, in, in, fairly in Budapest? Quickly. No, no, in, in London. So, oh, so after you, I moved, for, you moved straight from Budapest to London? Yeah. But I first worked for the BBC Hungarian right, Service okay. in London. Right, okay. But then I, within a few months, I moved to the World Service English newsroom right, okay. and I, yeah, I never looked back. <laughs> cool, fantastic. So how do you feel, I mean, how, I mean, how do you like London? Which is not anyway related so to very much. when I first moved 20 years ago, it was the place to be. Yeah, I really yeah, yeah. loved it. But mm -hmm. um, the last two or three years. Yeah, well, Brexit's uh, totally screwed things up, isn't it? I mean, well, it's, it's not just, no, it's not just Brexit. It's, um, London, I think, has become too big. Yes. Too many people. I've really felt that when I, I don't I lived in London. I went to university in London. Mm. And I lived there for like eight years, and I went. But and maybe because I've lived in Finland for some time, but I really felt to me that it's become more crowded. It is. Like the public um, transport become public worse. Transport, the public transport system just can't cope yeah, exactly. with this number of people. And and I, the BBC is in Oxford Circus. Yeah, exactly. So I have to come. I live in South London. Where about yeah. in South um, London? In Collierswood. Right. Okay. I used to live on in, the Northern Line. Yeah. So you got a nightmare. The slowest I, one. <laughs> I used to live in Wandsworth and used to work in Soho and that as the crow flies yeah. about five miles it took me two hours yeah. to get to work it's yeah. and you're late and you're late exactly <laughs> well, yeah. you get shouted at yeah. I, <laughs> I did a, um, uh, an internship in mm. Oxford Circus at the time I lived in Finchley Park mm. but rush hour getting in gosh, and this was, was 2012 so we're a while back now Victoria Line had just been yeah. replaced yeah. with like high speed even that was just too much yeah. sometimes I sit on the 147 like I thought like, screw it I can't bother to sit on the tube I get the 147 back like, I'd sit on Ox Oxford Street and I, the bus wouldn't move mm. I started to calculate how much of my life would be spent sitting on the front of the 147 <laughs> if I carried on with it's like 20 years it was insane and I went there this time with my family and my daughter's just broken her leg so she's on crutches and it was just like yeah. I was trying to get buses and I was trying to get Ubers places and people couldn't reach me because the traffic was all snarled up and it was just like it just reminded me of why I left London. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's not the kind of place anymore where you can have a home. It, it's you. You can't like build a home there, mm. and that's really sad because you've got these this beautiful architecture, and yet you're paying like close to a thousand a month for a room probably the size of this and a bit extra if you want a good area. Yeah. And even good yeah, areas yeah. in London are not good anymore because the the crime is horrific. I mean, it's <laughs> Joe's putting a boot well, into. Not, but like, been in Helsinki like six months. He's putting a boot into London. Well, I mean, we, we, London now has a higher crime rate than New York. What does I, it? On what, what basis? Uh, knife crime. Oh, yeah, knife, knife crime. crime. Yeah, knife crime. Yeah. Um, yeah, something's got to change. It yeah. really does. It's but it's it's not just crime and public transport. What so for is I love running. So uh, I go oh, yes. go for a run in my local park. Yeah, you know, have been for. Where 15. is Colling Collingworth? Where's that? Co Collierswood. Collierswood. I know um, South London, but I don't so know. It's, where's uh, it near? The Northern Line goes like Balham, Tooting. Oh right, so it's past that. It's, it's like the end of the Northern Line. But it's almost the end. Yeah, of the yeah, yeah. Line. So Balham and Tooting. So I know, after Tooting, the next right, station okay. is Collierswood. So I go to for my runs in Morden Hall Park and yes. until like two or three years ago you could you know I could go for a run and completely forget about the rest of right, the world okay. like almost meditate yeah. You know? yeah I can't do that anymore because there's so many people walking dogs mm -hmm. on cycles you have to just go around people oh, right no yeah. so even the parks feel busy even the parks like 11 o'clock on a Monday when wow. people are, should be at work or school yeah yeah, yeah. I can't just go straight you can't find a place to get your own so headspace overpopul I mean population growth has been phenomenal is that actually the? I mean is that statistically the case or is that just is. is that based upon your own sort so of like observational it's evidence it's gone up to almost 9 million people now yeah right, and, okay. and the problem is because London is so expensive even if you're earning like a good middle class salary you'll have to commute in so 
people mm. who work in London live in Hertfordshire and Surrey if they're lucky and they mm. come yeah, in. I mean, when there was like a bit of snow a few years ago, nobody could get in. And it was like 28 days later. It was that nobody was there. <laughs> That's like my street where I live in Helsinki. Yeah, I live like two blocks from the centre of Helsinki. Sometimes I pull back the curtains like, what has happened overnight? There are no people on the street. But people don't live in London anymore. Like it, They can't they afford it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a place to live. It's a place to... It, well, London's like one big hotel. People come in, they go out and... The, I think it's all, to an home. extent, it's all, I mean, even when I was there, I worked there, I left London in 2001 and I lived there on and off. I went to university there and I went to Canada for a year and I came back. So even then it felt like that. I mean, people were always commuting, but maybe it's just the fact that if there's more, the commuting itself has become more traumatic mm. and, yeah. mm. and uh, but I mean, putting aside that, the crime, the, the amount of people and the terrible public transport, it's, it's a great city. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there's like, a reason why people love it. I, yeah. I love London and, and I kind of lament about it because I, I care about that mm. city. You know, it's, it's a beautiful place and it could be nicer if, if people left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cut the population in half. <laughs> but I was really amazed by like things like biking, for example. Mm. Like when I was there, no one, I mean, there was, you really, you may be like a nutter to bike to work. There's like one bloke in my office mm. who used to bike and everyone's like, wow. But like, uh -huh. now there's a lot more people biking, but the biking infrastructure is still rubbish. It's like a painted road thing yeah. on the road, isn't it? Whereas you compare that with Helsinki and it, what really struck me coming back, I mean, I went to three cities in the last like three where Istanbul, London and Paris and mm. Istanbul was the first time I've been there. Mm. Total gridlock, London total gridlock, Paris total gridlock. And it just really struck me how it proves that private car ownership mm. does not work in a city. I mean, you couldn't get any clearer example of you're sitting in a car and you're not moving. I was speaking to people mm. on, in Istanbul who said it took them two hours to get from one side of the river to mm. the other to get to work. Unbelievable. So it's like, you know, then you can contract. And I came back mm. to Helsinki and it's like, oh, it's like a breath of fresh air. I got here, like, yeah. there's no one around. There's like, the, the population is, you know, it's like Cambridge or something, mm. if you comparatively speaking. Yeah, in terms yeah. of like, and but even Cambridge is busier than Helsinki. Cambridge actually. is so busy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's unbelievable how like yeah and they, Oxford the same, yeah, yeah. It, it's like a kind of like a mini capital in itself it's yeah, I went to Cambridge a few years ago it's just heaving with people really. yeah so yeah. I mean that, that that when I came here it's like the public transport works yeah. uh, and it because of probably because of the population density, but it really felt like yeah, the, the, I can't understand why if you're looking after a city, you're not looking at that every day and thinking this is just not working. Mm. You know, we need to do something. We need to like, maybe do alternate number plates like they did in Athens, I think a few few years back or whatever. But getting back to um, yeah. your your job and uh, what you're doing now and the documentary stuff, uh, we have Jacob here who's always silently manning the say hello, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> he's always manning the sound and he's our film film maestro. And we were looking at your Twitter feed and he was he was admiring your camera. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, it's not <laughs> me. <laughs> so we wonder when you when you went to Lapland, did you do that all your filmmaking? Did you have a cameraman? And I I did have a cameraman, yeah, of course. Like I I I sometimes try to handle the camera myself. I always botch it. <laughs> I I did something recently which is completely out of focus and it's only usable. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i did have a finnish cameraman when i went to uh lapland um who uh, came from the lovely town of e oh right came from, so, that, <laughs> so is that i met him in e <laughs> right, and okay. I, so is that how you work then when you came when you do these uh, sort of out uh, when you do these documentaries overseas you hire a local cameraman and uh, not always so um when i did the basic income film yeah. i had my uh, cameraman from london right, okay. with me with a fancy camera yeah, Fancy um, enough to make Jacob very, very jealous. It was, uh, so uh, I think it was an FS7 or 5. <laughs> yeah, it was a big camera. And he's a, he's a great cameraman. I, uh, he, I've made quite a few films with him. So I've only been making films for about three years. Right, Before okay. then I was in radio. But um, that's another lovely story, how I got into filmmaking. If yeah. You're, yeah, of course. I remember um, the... Um, New Year Eve Cologne attacks on yeah, women yeah, yeah. in yeah. 2015, 2016. Yes, so a, lo yes. a large number of German women were yeah, like touched up and stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. So at that point, uh, I saw a story about a Norwegian course, you know, asylum seekers, you know, refugees yeah. who arrive in Norway, young men are, are given a course. It's just a one day course about cultural codes. Right, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I saw a few stories about that because of that story it became kind of popular and i got in touch with the norwegian organizers and i said oh can i do an interview 
about your course because apparently it works. You know? Right, Kiwis, yeah. I mean, because if you go to a new country, mm, you don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm constantly still failing when it comes to cultural norms. Yeah, yeah. I've been here like almost 15 years. Yeah, so. it does but, people good, I think. Yeah. But so the proportion of sexual crimes committed in Norway by refugees and asylum seekers is, is exactly the same as Norwegian men. So, right, yeah. okay. so I thought, hmm, that's a good statistic. Yeah, Let's yeah, do yeah, a story yeah. on this. And they, they were like, no, 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 no. We, we, we don't want to talk. Oh, they weren't now. interested in doing a story. And then, like two months later, out of the blue, I got an email from the Norwegian course organizers yeah. saying, okay, if you really want to come next, <laughs> <laughs> next Wednesday, you can come and film it. And I said, film? You know, I wanted to do a radio interview. <laughs> what is it? So, but I thought, mm, this is amazing. They let me in to yeah, film yeah. the course. I can talk to the attendance to the organizers or so i thought i must find somebody in bbc news who who will pay for this and yeah i did i did the same thing it went around everywhere and eventually um again it was the victoria derbyshire program who paid for it so i got a fantastic reporter yeah james longman who spoke Uh, arabic Oh, so, right. fantastic. And he immediately, like, you know, so bonded with the bonded people with there. the boys, with the Syrian and yeah, the yeah. Iraqi guys. And I had this cameraman who also came with me to do the basic income uh-huh. film, Richard Perry. And we, the three of us, just, it was like amazing. I had never worked with either of them. I had only met Richard at the airport and yeah. uh, James, like, two days earlier uh-huh. in the office, but we became like the best team ever. Oh, right. like, fantastic. Just clicked. Yeah, and these yeah. two guys looked at me. Like I was the boss, uh-huh. and they were asking me, "What? Okay, yeah. what next?" Uh, and I'm like, "I've never done any telly." Totally blagging so it. So I went on to work with Richard on two more because then Brexit happened. The yeah, referendum yeah, yeah. happened a few weeks late after we did this Norwegian film. Right. Okay. And I pitched two stories to the Victoria Derby. Which program. stories were they? Well, one of them, I made a, a film about Hungarian people who still decided to come to Britain right, okay. after or yeah, despite yeah, yeah. Brexit. Yes. And the exact opposite, I, I made a film about three Polish people who were leaving going, right, going the back UK as a because of hate crime, right, yeah, essentially, yeah. that they suffered. Yeah, And they were all, uh, both observational documentaries, right, so there okay. was no reporter in it. It was just Richard and I um, traveling to you know, meet these people. And we we became so good at working together. Yeah, uh, We are like, you know, twins, like he's my biggest creative partner I and mean, right, we just okay, work together fantastically yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and so therefore of course uh, when I started working on basic income I insisted on you know and which department does him. he work Richard is a freelancer but he's a BBC freelancer we have lots of cameramen oh, right, who, okay. who are freelancers but they almost exclusively work for the BBC right okay cool yeah I mean I can imagine that would be I mean, it's fantastic you get the opportunity to just like that's sort of my dream job actually I mean we do quite a lot of stories but typically we do of course we do like our yeah. own stuff and then we do stuff that we do for our clients which is you know you can't necessarily do the things that you would always want to mm. do but of course we do cool stuff as well don't we um, well that's the glamorous part that's <laughs> the, that's, that's, so there that are other is, things uh, that are quite exciting uh, yeah, but how do you so how do you come up I mean it sounds like you hear about a news item or you hear about a story and you think okay that's that's worthy of greater attention and then you pitch it but like I mean why are you in Finland now for example or is that a secret oh well um <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to share if you um well i'm doing two things at right, the okay. moment one of them is um i did something on energy in right, okay. Baza. yeah i saw that yeah did you well i so, saw i saw it on your tweet i didn't actually see this though i haven't so dug I, um I met some people in Vasa a few months ago, businessmen, basically. Yeah. But so Vasa is the big energy hub yeah, yeah, of the yeah, Nordic. Yeah. So there's a hundred and one hundred and forty energy companies. Yeah, like you've got um oh god, you've got there's a massive energy company whose name I can't remember. Vartzilla. Vartzilla, yeah. Is the the shipbuilders they, is up they there. They build engines yeah, for and ships power and plants. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Massive giant engines. Yeah. And they were all telling me about, you know, all the innovations that uh, they are creating, you know, green tax or clean tax. So just to tackle climate change, yeah, yeah. there's so much work going on. And I thought, Nobody you know, knows all we it. hear about is Greta Thunberg, who, who's amazing. Yeah, and yeah, climate yeah. strikes are fantastically important because, you know, they yeah, change active, people's active. attitudes Absolutely. and influence politics. But we never hear about, you know, these scientists and engineers who work on you know creating solutions yeah yeah, and yeah I that's thought, a good, really good point I, I, i'm gonna so i went back to baza in august 
and did a few interviews and made a half hour radio program. Oh, about, right, fantastic. Um, so that's what's online okay, now. Okay, cool, yeah. And I'm going back because I also want to do a little video. Okay. And um, I, I just need one more one interview, more interview because you know the storytelling but when you when you're doing a digital video is just completely different from a radio yeah. i was focusing on the radio program right okay so now you need and sort I, of short clips need, so you can I, I realized last week that i need one more interview and a few more pictures in yes. vasa so but i wouldn't have come back just for that i'm also working on another story in the vasa area okay cool so yeah did, is it top secret it's not topsy. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to share if you don't want. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just teasing. No. It's it's a really nice, a very positive story. Okay, oh, well, that's good. cool. Yeah, about elderly people, and it's another solutions journalism right, okay. stories. Yeah, nice. Oh. Yeah, I did a talk in Vasa about like to international students. Oh no, what was it for? Yeah, it was about basically about like uh, I get to do quite a lot of talks about being foreign in Finland, obviously, and uh, it was about like trying to trying to get Finnish companies to f employ foreigners, basically. And it was then they were really bigging up the energy thing. And I used to do, I did one of my first ever scripts I wrote more than a decade ago now was for a Vatsa ship engine, actually. So yeah, they've got, they've got a huge, huge like industry there, which is, and they also told me that when I arrived, they said, Vasa is the sunniest place in Finland. I don't, know if, they, right? yeah, I don't know if they mentioned that to you. They were really proud. I was like, wow, look, you've got energy and you've got sunshine. What more could you ask for? So mm. that'd be cool to, yeah, it'd be cool to see. Once you've done that, once that's, once that's done, you should send that, send that our way and we Will can, do. we can big it up. Yeah. Uh, I won't be able to edit, unfortunately. So I'm doing this now, this week, and yes. I'm going back to London on Monday. But then I'm coming back again. Well, look at you. You can't stay away. Uh, I can't stay away to work on a massive big film, which is going wow. to be like a two-part documentary. So half hour each. Wow, look wow. at you. How, so how long typically would a half an hour documentary take you to shoot and stuff? Um, well, this one will take about a week. Right, okay. And I, it has to go on air on, well, it will go on air on December the 6th. So you schedule them been. before you make them with TV documentaries? Well, this was going to go on air a lot later, but I, they just told me a few days ago that it has been moved wow. up to. Is that a secret story? I or didn't you know can that. We'll find out later. Yeah. We'll yeah. tune into the BBC on yeah. which can we say, I'll be in the UK at that. Oh, there time. you go. Yeah. You popcorn I, on I, the sofa. I'm to the UK. I'll turn on the BBC. So, so what is it? I mean, so you're doing a lot of stuff about Finland. Are you now considered the BBC World Service expert on Finland? Then, or what, why do you keep coming? Is it because well, you think Finland's very newsworthy? Um, so Finland, I think, is underreported in the international media. I totally There's agree. There's so many yes. good stories I totally here. agree. I've been and saying this for like a decade yeah, to Finnish companies, yeah, big yeah. up your Finnishness. And they've been going, well, no, we pretend that we're from Silicon Valley or something. I was like, no, what you're doing here is special. It just, one thing leads to another for me because right, I always, yeah. I spend so much time here. I make so many Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Every story gets, and, sparks and, loads more ideas. And the BBC is so big. Yeah. So if somebody says no, yeah. I can go to somebody Yeah, yeah, else. fantastic. And, like, and, and Finland, this. So much going on. I mm. mean, like top of the ranking for the happiest country in the world. How come yeah. that hasn't got more attention? It's it's a great thing, you know. So, so it's uh, that that I think that was to be fair. That was written up by BBC News Online, the happiest yeah, country. Yeah. But, but but there's so much more to it. Like it's also got a fantastically high suicide rate. That's so very why, true. Why, well, yeah. why, how come the to happiest me that's country? more obvious. But to me, that's more obvious why that's like that in terms of like if you spend one winter here, then you can understand. That. Well, I read that that's dropping. You're Typically, it's like uh, not winter; it's spring. When people think they're depressed because of winter, but then spring arrives and they're still depressed. So, ah. but what? What? When you say it's underreported, why do you think that is? Do you think it's just geographically and culturally it's sort of considered distant? I don't know why that is. Uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, maybe a lot of news organisations that don't don't bother having a correspondent here. Yeah, yeah. Because How about the BBC? They, they haven't got a correspondent. We haven't got a Finland correspondent. Do you have a Sweden correspondent? Um, we haven't got a Sweden right. correspondent, but we do have um, a former BBC staff person who moved to Sweden. Right, okay, so, so you have a contact still files there. Yeah, quite yeah, a lot. okay, cool. Uh, and mm. the same for Norway. We haven't got a correspondent, but we do have somebody, a Norwegian guy who right, okay. used to work for the BBC. Yeah. He's not with the BBC anymore, but he's a freelancer. So, so they would we just come, get, so they when they'd file stories <laughs> or they'd suggest stories, they'd just see things that they think would be worthy yeah. of a worldwide audience. Yeah. And they would then send the idea yeah. and they'd just pitch the story and write it. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's cool. But so that, I, I come here so often now that if, if occasionally, if for instance, Finland 
is the happiest country. People come to me now, okay, which so is really nice. <laughs> so can you do a quick TV interview on That's why so cool. Finland is right, the happiest cool. country? Yeah. So you're like the bridge between the UK and Finland in journalism. Oh, it's very <laughs> flattering <laughs> <laughs> to say that. Uh, but um, it's, uh, yeah, I, th I, I think it's because of all four of us here are kind of, we're not finished, so we're able to see yeah. things yeah. from from, from a, a different, different perspective. Yeah, because yeah. I grew up in Wales, and I I wasn't really aware until I moved to London that people loved Wales because mm. of the mountains and the and the wildlife mm. and the sheep and the friendly people. I had no idea that's what Wales was about until I left. You know, so maybe that's got a lot to do with it. Looking from the outside. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, when, before I turned out, I knew, I mean, literally my knowledge of Finland was really, 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 I mean, I consider myself quite worldly as well and quite, but I, yeah, sort of snow, Santa Claus, reindeer. So I didn't, until I met my girlfriend, now wife in a club in South London, I hadn't met a single Finnish person. And then I met, so yeah, it was a, but those sort of weird things like your story about meeting the people in the, in the shop, mine about getting tapped on the shoulder and asked for a beer, Joe's about... How did you end up here? Uh, yeah, I met my now Girl. wife at a party. Joe got in married, North everyone, London. listeners. I've got some good yes. and bad. The good news is uh, Joe got married. The bad news is he's no longer available. Hearts break. All of around. my three fans are now listening. <laughs> in a retirement home. And they're sad. Yeah, he got oh, married. Joe got married. Out of the blue, I might add. Has it but, just happened? Yeah. Just yeah, yeah, uh, 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 We didn't yeah. know. Last Friday. It was a small thing. And I. everybody was unwell here. People either had the flu. Joel was in London. I had the flu. Loads of people had the flu. So I wanted to get people together mm -hmm. but i couldn't but failed so, so i thought <laughs> so i'll just sneaky wedding instead get married. and because i'm going back to see my mother in december in the uk we did the legal stuff now we're going to have the celebrations there so yeah but um yeah i'm, I'm married and the fans are devastated i bet so, <laughs> or, yeah or, you know, so but, it goes um, so you're married um a finished finish girl, girl. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was the second Finnish person. Girl, you married. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a discussion. No, um, yeah, second Finnish person I'd met. Um, and we were friends for for years. I met her in, at a party in 2012. And we, yeah. It, it well, was I married the first one. Finnish girl yeah. person I met. So there, there we go. Yeah. There's a, there's a pattern there, isn't it? Well, yeah. well, it it's strange. I haven't met this guy yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange if you ask like most men here who are American or British like why are you here their answer is a Finnish mm -hmm. girl it used to be mm -hmm. a Finnish girl at Nokia but clearly Nokia is no longer as uh, I mean it's still going strong but in a different form so it's no longer as like recruiting worldwide um, yeah, I mean, talking about just, I think I have to ask about what your thoughts are in Brexit, just because other than very Finnish problems, I also do very Brexit problems, which I'm less known mm -hmm. for because I sort of keep that a little bit hidden for reasons of like abuse and just... So, I mean, what, what, I mean, how do you, I mean, I've been following it like obsessively. Well, you know, as, as a BBC journalist, yeah. I'm, I'm, I have to be impartial right, okay. about any story that I talk about in public. And so I... I don't, so thankfully, well, thankfully, <laughs> I don't cover Brexit news. Right, okay. It must be exhausting to be a BBC journalist. Yeah, just, just to get your head around everything that every day yeah, the story yeah, really changes. Insane. Yeah. So much. So, thankfully, I've got some colleagues who are much more knowledgeable than me who are following it uh, in Westminster. I'm just like an ordinary member of the public, okay. like <laughs> just <laughs> as. Yeah. So your friends who are covering it, are they worn and wearied or are yeah, they enthusiastic? Everybody's exhausted. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. just so exhausted now because there, there have been so many points in the, in the story. Well, even last thought, night, wasn't it? Yeah, where last night it. when they had this vote on the thing, I was like, because I mean, for me, it's a personal thing. It's an emotional thing. And I also study history and, and I, the, 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 just the monumental nature of it from a political and mm. historical standpoint. It's, it's fascinating to be part of that in terms of being part of what such a, mm. you know, we look back upon as a, a really epic moment in British history. Um, but as you say, yeah, literally, I mean, last night, I thought it could be game over if they voted for but, the programme motion. So the, the, the fact that there's still no clarity, yeah, like yeah, three yeah. years, three and a half it's years insane. after the vote, you still don't know if it's, yeah. Yeah. You know, if it's happening or not and when and what effect it has on people's lives. It's just, so well, many people are in limbo. Yeah. It's exhausting 
not sound lazy, but it's actually exhausting keeping up with reading about it. Mm. So I, I mean, I feel so sorry for those journalists who are at any time of the day, they called and said, write this huge article about it. But it's so much to take mm, in. And, it is. And, um, and, and it's worrying me uh, in the UK at the moment is that it's arrived to a point now where political opinions now divide people. Mm. When I don't know if I'm romanticizing my teenage years in Britain, but I can't remember that ever being the case. Well, we've always hated the Tories, let's, yeah. <laughs> let's well, face it. <laughs> but, but even that was a bit of a friendly down the pub, or you oh, yeah, yeah. blue, or you, you yeah, know, it yeah. wasn't... I wasn't never, want to smash your face in. Yeah, I've never seen these these protests that end up in mm. like, people screaming at each other. And, mm. well, and, 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 and it worries me what's happening with politicians, uh, you know, like what happened to Joe Cox. And I mean, it's unthinkable a politician was killed i mean i know i'm taking it to a dramatic level now but it's it's if 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 anybody's listening and like getting involved in this ridiculous too many arguments just stop it I say. <laughs> there you go yeah. dad joke yeah. <laughs> giving a firm <laughs> reprimand to people getting enthusiastic but i mean somebody asked me yesterday in budapest so what's what's happening with brexit <laughs> So much. I wish yeah, I could yeah, summarize yeah, it yeah. in two well, it's words. So, it literally but... is so fluid. I mean, like, I mean, I, I listen to like this Romaniacs podcast, which is fantastic entertainment. And I don't know if you've followed it, but it's like really clued up, really sharp, really funny as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, literally, I listened to the podcast that came out on Sunday, and it's already totally out of date. So just because things are moving mm. so fluidly, but I've become really addicted to Parliament TV, for example. So uh, I mean, in that sense, I think if you had to have a silver line to the very large cloud, it would be that people become a lot more politically engaged, mm. even if that has mean, meant passions have been running very, very high. I've got uh, an interesting question to yep. ask, actually. Um, so obviously, working for the BBC, you're doing all these great things and you can pretty much try anything out. And with the environment, clearly you're very passionate. Is there a passion that you would like to explore in terms of journalism? Well, Joe's going to ask you for a job then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk later. <laughs> I'm not do in you that need position. A, do you need a Welsh correspondent? No, no. no. <laughs> um, but like, it, because obviously it, it's so great that you can do all these cool mm. things, but is there something you think, oh, I'd love, love to get involved in that, but haven't so quite asked yet. I haven't done any... So we have a BBC travel show. I'd love to make Ooh, like do travel features in oh, Ireland. Yeah. We do a little bit of that, don't we? Well, we do, yeah. 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 It's nice. Like there's this new trend of uh, young women going oh, right, into cool. the wilderness, hiking oh, right. on their own yeah, yeah, like, yeah. for several days wow. with the bears and wolves and everything. You know? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and, and I would love to do that. I'd love to go with somebody and film right, okay. and what you know why they're doing it. It's yeah, just, yeah, it's, that'd be cool. It's, you're all alone in the wilderness yeah, yeah. and. That'd be um, terrifying. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm from the country, I'm from Suffolk, which is like England's countryside, but there's nowhere in Suffolk you can mm. get lost and die. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. You can walk, you can go like two miles out of mm. Helsinki and find a place to get lost and die. Mm. So it's like, I mean, Helsinki, I think would be the perfect place to find mm. that sort of, we've actually had people on the podcast. It wasn't a woman. It was a guy who was like, basically spends six months of his time in the forest. Mm. He's like an explorer, like mm. Instagram or mm. explorer. So he just says he loves just the tranquility, the fact he's got so much headspace. He can just like you know just it, it turns off the rest of the mm, world mm -hmm. so i can see the appeal to that to an extent but i'll probably last about 24 hours <gasps> I, i'd love to follow somebody who goes into the wilderness alone yeah. for a yeah. few days and just see what goes what on what happens in their minds and how yeah cool. it, it must be i mean we're at a time now where everything's so connected and on the flip side of finland having so much space it's also one of the highest percentage of smartphone mm. users uh, because the infrastructure is so great. So, yeah, we're at a very interesting time where people are thinking, you know what, I, I just love to try getting away from mm -hmm. it all. So, yeah, I think that would... Uh, that creates a lot of exciting viewers, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see that. Cool. And, and you know, you can do it in the winter as well. Absolutely. So it doesn't have to be in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> when it's all dark yeah, except dark for the snow. And freezing. And stars, yeah. That's Northern lights. Yeah. And, yeah. Cool. Well, on that happy note, uh, we're going to have to wrap things up, sadly. Um, we always, I should have forewarned you about this. We typically have a thing where people recommend something. It could be a book, 
it can be a radio show it can be anything like so so you recommend a thing that you think people would should should check out book film movie you can ponder that for a while mm-hmm. Joe, i you got also a- need to ponder this for a while because uh me being an idiot i forgot this section again <laughs> and i always i always want to think of something quite interesting uh, I also forgot this. <laughs> I also forgot about this. But I am tempted to recommend my uh, my very Brexit problems t-shirts. It seems like a huge. I have verybrexitproblems dot com to finally make some like uh, to sponsor uh, our efforts at sharing the the sort of idiocies of Brexit. We have verybrexitproblems dot com, which yes. you can get lots of Brexit cunning. Beautifully designed Brexit merchandise. <laughs> Unlikely that anyone in Finland is going to be interested in this. But yeah, that would be my recommendation, listeners, if you really want to showcase your uh, your disdain for this this process. Well, if, you've, if you're if you selling out, I'm going to sell out too and Go say uh, a brilliant blog written by me. Uh, <laughs> it's called The Finniot Blog, and it's all about Finnish life, but I'm branching out into lifestyle. Oh, so, wow. Uh, what does that mean? Well, I mean, because Finland has a... A uh, good track record of happiness, productivity, health, family life. I think that the rest of the world like that. So it's kind of like bringing Finnish life to the rest of the world. Okay, nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. so we'll both stuff. pitch two things to do with us. Yeah. <laughs> so you well, have good. to pitch something from the World Service. Absolutely, <laughs> I'd be very disappointed. If it wasn't even and, it's, to. and it's legal to advertise the BBC in this country. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And especially the World Service. So we have lots of podcasts on yes. the World Service, and there was there there are two actually that I really like. One yeah. of one of them is um, I think we did it about a year ago, but I started re-listening. It's called Death in Ice Valley. All right. Okay. It's a Norwegian story. A woman, um, a woman's body, body was found. No, it's a real, oh, a a true doc- crime. Yeah. Um, which hasn't been solved. Oh, so right. a, a, okay. a, a body was found. A woman's body was a badly burnt body. Uh-huh. Body was Ooh. found in a, in a valley yeah. near Bergen. Right. Okay. Um, in uh, I think it was nineteen seventy something. Oh right. So it's some like an old yeah. crime that's never been solved. And, and how- so we did a podcast. Yeah. Um, so NRK, the Norwegian. Re, uh, broadcasting company had been investigating it. Uh, well, of course, the police was investigating yeah, yeah, it, yeah, but, yeah. but they, uh, because it has never been solved, right, it's okay. such a mystery. We, we still don't know who the woman was. Oh, I don't know. Wow. Nobody was, has come forward. No way. Yeah. It's just unrecognizable. Yes. So, so, what, so is the podcast, is it like do you're interviewing the people who did the investigation, yeah. or is that so it's like. Yeah, so there's lots of okay, um, policemen and then right. local people and right, okay. um, journalists who were covering the story at the time. We still don't know. Cool. And, so yeah. Uh, so so many people are fascinated yeah, by yeah, it, yeah. and we are really my, hoping that we might be able to crack it. Oh, right, that would be wicked. Yeah. yeah. That's so yeah, the sort wow, of thing my yeah. mum would be totally. My mum's massive into true crime. Yeah. So I mean, that yeah. sounds a lot more detailed than, than our efforts. Me trying to flog t-shirts and mugs. <laughs> Joe <laughs> trying to get people to go to his blog. So yeah, I think if I, if I was to recommend the recommendation, you won't be able to stop listening. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I love a good podcast. There's a, a copywriter here, Kaiser. She loves podcasts like that, so I'm going to recommend that to her because um, she'll give that a listen. Yeah, cool. She'll love that. Yeah. Well, okay, on yeah. that note, thank you very much for joining. Oh, well, thank, us. thank you for having me. It's been, been a pleasure. pleasure. Yeah, yeah, we could have gone yeah, for a lot longer. Fun. So, and um, yeah, good luck with your good luck with thank your project. Thank you very much. I'll keep you posted. Okay, cool. Bye, 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 bye. You've been listening to the Very Finish Problems podcast. Please send any feedback to veryfinishproblems at inktank.fi. This program is published by Inktank Media and produced by Thomas Newberry. Inktank Media is a digital marketing and communications agency which specializes in copywriting, storytelling and social media. Find out more on our website inktankmedia.fi. While this podcast isn't an advertisement, we do occasionally interview representatives of companies we have a business relationship with. Thanks again for listening.